0: Hello everyone and welcome to the 1,7812.3 <laughs> episode of The Way We're Dragons. I don't know. To make that
1: <laughs> I don't even know either. <laughs> I think it's forty-one or forty-two. Hold on. Forty-one. Forty-one. I, I can
0: tell you episodes of other podcasts and what they do.
1: I feel that. I feel. Oh that. yeah,
0: we are talking today about the Satanic Panic and Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, and how they tie in. Uh, I'm Johnny, by the way. I don't know if I said that before, but you know that's <laughs> that's my name.
1: <laughs> and I'm I'm the other co-host. I'm Kelsey.
0: Uh, although, if because I change my name on our recording platform every time. And since we're doing D&D, I set it as the Dungeon Master, and I don't think Kelsey noticed until oh, I said something. I do. Something.
1: I totally do. <laughs> I notice every time that, like, the name... Because that's how I know, like, in the when I download the audio, that's how I know what episode I'm on. Because of your name <laughs> for that one.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, like I said, today we're going to be talking about the satanic panic in Dungeons and Dragons uh, talking a bit about Dungeons and Dragons and what it is and I'll go on a little nerdy rant uh, (laughs) because I am a big freaking dork and love tabletop games and love things that involve tabletop games and all that jazz (laughs) you do um I hope everyone had a happy May Day and...
1: Yeah.
0: Slash Beltane. I hope everyone had a fun May the 4th.
1: Yeah.
0: For those of you who are Star Wars fans, uh, Cinco de Mayo for anyone who celebrates. And I'm trying to think of International Astronaut Day...
1: Yeah. It's like, I have uh... a friend
0: who's obsessed with space stuff and like he actually <laughs> interned. Well no no, he actually interned for NASA
1: a couple <gasps> that's times.
0: Cool. And his birthday is actually the same day as International Astronaut Day.
1: That's that's great.
0: That's ironic, is how
1: that that's
0: yeah, that's good. But yeah, that's kinda of funny. Uh yeah, so this is one of my but one of if not my favorite topic to talk about during during things with satanic panic for anyone who has not picked this up i'm a huge nerd and i play a game called dungeons and dragons or D D, <laughs> for short mm-hmm. uh you may have heard of this there was a movie that came out recently that was honestly and i'm not just saying this because i'm a fanboy honestly one of the best fantasy movies i have seen in years and it's so cropped full of little references uh, of like in-game lore and jokes and fandom references that you know people who play will get and just oh it was so good uh But that's not why we're here today. Uh, but if you haven't watched it, it's streaming on Paramount Plus. We are not sponsored by them. I just highly recommend watching it. It is a dumb fun time. Yes. A lot of the things in it would be, you know, funny to just your average viewer, but it's a lot more funny when to those of us who are, you know, immersed in the world and in the lore. Uh, Hell, there's even a reference to the 1980s cartoon. (laughs) That's funny. But, you know, with all that being said, what is Dungeons & Dragons, actually?
1: (laughs) Yes, what is it?
0: Um, So, Dungeons & Dragons is a tabletop role-playing game. In fact, it is the first TTRPG. Um, I should probably take a minute, because I thought about putting this earlier, and when I was typing up the notes completely blanked out there's some words here I'm going to be using that are in some abbreviations I should probably explain to people so when I say lore it's like the mythos or the backstory of the world and of the game yeah so uh it's like a cultural norm or just general knowledge general things that are known or some things that are lost in history about the world that the game is set in ttrpg stands for tabletop role-playing game Uh, dm is dungeon master there's also gm which is game master depending on the game those are sometimes used interchangeably yeah stats are and ability scores are certain Numbers that involve math and different ways of getting into it and all this other junk. Uh, just some, you know, basic ground rules. Uh, PC is player character. Of course, NPC is non-player character, meaning that it's not one of the players that are playing it. So with all that being said, it is heavily inspired others in their creative minds to take concepts... Take the concept of rolling dice with our own crazy ideas and creating their own worlds. Dungeons and Dragons is a game of interactive role-playing and storytelling that you can literally do anything you want in it. Or, as the infamous Matthew Mercer has said, or Matthew Mercer from Critical Role has said, you can certainly try. <laughs> As I think I said, some of the stuff is based off dice rolls, so probability and how you stat your character. To play a game, you technically only need two people. One who plays as the Dungeon Master, and the other person or persons play as the players. Technically, it's... As someone who's DM'd. The, the bigger the party the more difficult it can get for storytelling purposes. Uh, I would say anything over six people makes it difficult, but I've been in parties and DM for parties of, you know, eight people, which is ridiculous, Oh yeah. but it's, it's still fun, but you can have as many as, you know, so the crazy thing is uh, just a random side thing that I thought about putting in the notes and didn't, but now I'm going to say it anyways. There was actually a game that they did. I want to say it was at... I want to say it was at PAX, which is a huge gaming convention. No, not PAX. That's a different thing. Gen Con. It was at Gen Con, I believe. It was. It's a huge gaming convention where uh, they actually had... Mul- they had multiple DMs uh, at different tables. but the, And they had runners that would like run information between tables. And every table they were all playing the same game of DD it oh was God. like over 500 people and so the runners would like run and say hey this is happening over here to like pass the information along so it would change the story of this table over here which is super freaking crazy
1: that's crazy
0: but yeah there was the largest game of the single game of DD was over 500 people
1: holy shit
0: So, it's the DM's job to understand the basic rules of the game. Or, you know, most of the rules of the game, really. But, you know, there's no shame in having to look them up. Because there's a lot of rules. And it's basically just the player's job to understand how their character works. And that they understand the basic rules and stats of their characters. How the game works is... You pick what race and class you want for your player character, PC. Uh, You can be a human or a variety of other types. That is a weird typo. Uh, (laughs) Of other types of fantasy races. This can range from your typical elves and dwarves to crazier things like lizard folk and kingku, who are a race of little black birds uh who the only thing they speak is stuff that they've heard other people say okay yeah it, it's always really fun to see those acted out in a game uh heck you can even play at you know there's an entire race of fish people you can play uh each race has its own history and lore that surrounds it as well as it shrinks the weaknesses. It's a good idea to, you know, know those when you go into it. Uh, these can even give you static abilities, extra spells, buffs, debuffs to your stats, and so on and so forth based off of just, you know, hey, this is where my people are from, so this is what I'm good at. Your class is where your character's focused skill is going to be in the game. Uh, this can be anything from... Being a mystical and, book, uh, and a book nerd, like a wizard. If you want to be sneaky, there's rogues. If you just want to smash stuff, there's barbarians. Currently, in the game, there are... And this isn't including, like, third-party content, because there's a lot of that, because of the open licensing agreement and all that. There are officially 43 uh, races and 13 classes so that gives you around and this is just like the basic makeup of your character this isn't like going into backstory or ability scores or anything like that or how you want to flavor your character there's over 560 different options of how what kind of character you can play And now that also doesn't include multi-classing subclasses because there's a crap ton of those and variants of the races. And these are just the bases for your characters. Uh, The possibilities are truly endless. Uh, Then you use a number of methods to roll your stats. And then you pick a background, which is basically, hey, this is what my character did before they became an adventurer. You know, they were a hermit. They were a baker. They were in the military. And this gives your character uh, a little bit more flavor and extra... That's a good word for this. Extra accoutrement for certain things. <laughs> uh, it also gives you like extra skills. Okay. The games can be anything from just being a bunch of murder hobos where you literally just make characters that go through dungeons and kill monsters and that's your whole game. Uh, You can play a murder mystery with it, save a kingdom, stop a crime boss, kill a demon Lord and a number of other things. The possibilities are literally endless. The player will then say, Hey, I want to do this. And the DM decides either if they succeed, just because, you know, there's a thing called the rule of cool, which is, Basically, hey, you know, that seems like it'd be a cool thing to do. Yeah, I'll let you do that. And yeah, it works. Or they can take it and roll dice and uh, have a difficulty rating on the situation. So that is what D and d currently is. <laughs> uh, sorry, there was a lot there. So that is now. But in 1974, when the game was originally published, or was originally released... Because technically it was started in 73. But we're not going to go into all that history now. Uh, there were originally only three classes. You had mm-hmm. Cleric, Fighting Man, and the Magic User. Yes, it's actually what's <laughs> Fighting Man.
1: Okay.
0: I thought it was always Fighter. No, according to Wikipedia, it was originally Fighting Man. Uh, they later came out with three supplements. The first of which added Paladins and thieves. The second added Assassins and Monks. And the third added Druids. And for races, you had the whopping options of Human, Elf, Half-Elf, Dwarf, and Halfling. Uh, Halfling is basically a Hobbit, but they can't use Hobbit because the copyright is owned by the uh, Tolkien... Family and there was like a whole lawsuit thing involved with that. Yep. The game was made for two major reasons. Number one, Gary Gygax and uh, David Arnesum Arnison were big game, uh, big fans of war games. And wanted to do something on a smaller scale. And two, they were kind of tired of reading stuff like Lord of the Rings and actually wanted to be a part of the story themselves. They incorporated their love of mythology, theology, and history into the game. Like I said, there's been a lot of business stuff and all that over the years that have. There's been some issues acquired by Wisp to the Coast. And I'm not getting into all that. That's. That whole thing's a nightmare. The art that was done for Dungeons & Dragons actually redefined what fantasy art was. And is the reason why we have some of the amazing artwork we have today. If you want more information on this amazing game, there are a number of really good documentaries out there. I would also recommend checking out episode 329 of Time Suck with Dan Cummings. Uh, he's a wonky, goofy dude. He's also a stand-up comedian. And can be a bit irreverent, just to warn people. Uh, but he has a team of researchers that did a crap ton of research on the history of D&D. I think his episode is like two and a half hours of just talking about D&D.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. So during the Satanic Panic, we'll get to the... Meet of why we're here, I guess. Uh, the Satanic Panic likened d d with many other things with the devil and devil worship. It was believed that spells, incantations, and acts within the da- game itself could summon demons or even the devil himself. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I think of evil organizations, bringing forth the Dark Lord. I think of a bunch of nerds sitting around the table, rolling pieces of plastic dice of stone <laughs> with numbers on it and then having to do math. Uh, the game has been quote-unquote linked to a number of murders and suicides. And when I say quote-unquote it's because it's always a stretch when they try to do this. Yes. In
1: 1979...
0: The family of a missing teenage, uh, missing teen in Texas, called a private investigator named William Deere because their son, Dallas Egbert, had disappeared from Michigan State University. He was 16 years old and a sophomore in college. So, in other words, he was smart as hell and had a lot of pressure on him. He started college at 15. He started college when, you know, Generally, people in the United States are getting their learner's permit. Mm-hmm. William Deer went up to the college, got into his hotel room, started snooping around. He found a large stack of Dungeons and Dragons books. I don't know why I said large. It was a stack of Dungeons and Dragons books uh, on a desk and a corkboard with tacks on it that resembled buildings and stuff on the campus. So he led an investigation through the building, which was the main entrance point to a number of steam tunnels that the students used. Uh, according to Deer, there were the two were tied together, meaning the steam tunnels and D and D, because you know, according to him, they were people were going down in these tunnels and acting out the game, which is a whole other thing entirely. Uh, He was convinced that Egbert was playing D&D in the tunnels. He didn't find him in the tunnels because, of course, not. Uh, They did find him later on. Apparently, he was extremely depressed and had a crap ton of pressure on him because of his family, because him being smart and high expectations. Sadly, uh, Egbert later did kill himself and the cause Uh, and of course they blame Dungeons and Dragons because the family couldn't take responsibility for the immense pressure that they put on him. Uh, because of, of course, because of this, it got a lot of the media attention and, uh, as all things do when, uh, you can get people to watch the madness and speculations follow. Because, hey... This is causing this right here. Ironically, and with all quote-unquote culture culture, parents told their kids, hey, don't play this game. It's bad for you. So what happened?
1: More kids wouldn't play the game.
0: More kids we went played to it. play D&D. And sales so skyrocketed. This, of course, furthered the belief that the kids were being possessed by demonic influence and seduced Uh, the young into playing or into doing math creatively expressing themselves. As popularity uh, grew, two major groups arose. Those who wanted to buy it and those who wanted to ban it. Of course, evangelicals went nuts with this because the rebellious youth were doing this and shutting out God. Of course, being Being Jack Chick, which, you know, or Jack Chick with his Chick Tracks, which I mentioned in our episode two weeks ago, he made a whole Chick Track or comic strip about the dangers of Dungeons & Dragons. Which, like, he made for literally everything else. You can still go on the Chick Track website and look up the Dark Dungeons comic. It is very laughable, as with most of his stuff. Uh, according to news clips, they, they said that D&D is one of the most effective ways to introduce the uh, people into things of the occult. Personally, my interest in things of the occult went way before I even knew what D&D was. Uh, they went on to say that you know it teaches of Demonology, witchcraft, voodoo, murder, and rape, which
1: no. doesn't.
0: But uh, and it's honestly, it's funny because if you most of the people who I know that play are some of the most like liberal people that you know. Oh, this particularly for the rape thing because this is what bothers me the most on this. Yeah, that that would just not happen.
1: <laughs> that is yeah.
0: definitely not what <laughs> it promotes at all. So Guy Gax hired Joyce Ruther's, who was a clinical psychologist, to defend the game. She basically said that life is full of helpful or harmful events. Uh, the game is set up to help in the triumph over the harmful. Uh, It gives people the opportunity to confront things that they may see in their everyday life and deal with them in a healthy manner. uh, So the creators found it ridiculous and semi-humorous that people could think this of their games. The creators found it ridiculous and semi-humorous that people could think the game was in any way fiendish The situation wasn't helped by the media constantly bringing it up and saying that kids were killing themselves and killing other people because of the game. Then, you know, there came out the book Mazes and Monsters, which got turned into a 1982 film starring Tom Hanks, where teens take the game too far and Tom Hanks nearly kills himself. And basically, they're, again, acting out the game, going through, like, storm drains and stuff. Which, honestly, partially, I think, inspired LARPing. LARPing is live-action play. If any of our listeners yeah. have ever seen the movie Role Models, it's, like, a fun, dumb comedy. But they, these two guys get arrested for drunk driving or something and have to go into a they get sentenced to be big brothers like a big brother big sister program and yeah yeah, yeah. so one of the kids was really big into LARPing and he was like a total nerd I
1: forget
0: who's in that McLovin is uh, because I don't remember the actor's name but it's McLovin and I want to say it's Paul Rudd and Stifler because I don't remember his name either. Uh, I'm looking it up.
1: Paul yeah. Rudd, um, Sean William Scott. Sean William
0: Scott, that's stiffler, yeah.
1: And then Christopher Mintz. that's the guy that plays Mick Levin. Right. Yeah, because Ken, um, Ken Jong's in it. Yeah. Yeah. He, I, yeah, I've watched this.
0: Yeah, because they do they yeah. do LARPing in it, and that's. Yeah. one of the best things. And it's an actual like, really close representation of what LARPing is. Although they call yeah. it something else in the movie, but it's LARPing.
1: Yeah, it is. Oh, it totally
0: is. But yeah, so they hold Geraldo Rivera, who was a huge news name, actually went out and was like, you know, promoting how d was demonic as well, and He's a conservative nut job now, but that's neither here nor there. They actually had, we have a show in the U.S. called Sixty Minutes, where you know they do different news topics for an hour. They did a whole one on the dangers of Dungeons and Dragons, and one of my favorite quotes: "It's I love this so much." They, the person on it was like, "And the parents saw their child summon a Dungeons and Dragons demon." into their room and the demon killed the child like this shit was on the news as if yeah. it were facts and it's like
1: huh that's not that's not how that works but okay
0: yeah no it was <laughs> in fact D is actually really helpful for people mm-hmm. to people today people play so much on their phones and see stuff mm-hmm. and information constantly that it's good to become unplugged or to yep. partly unplugged because, you know, there's apps that, and stuff like D and D beyond that allows you to make your characters online. Uh, but it's actually yep. really good for people to play D and D. This isn't a sales yep. pitch here. This is like backed by <laughs> clinical psychology guys. <laughs> uh, there's actually been a crap ton of research that has gone into this. And I Mm -hmm. had this guy's name yesterday when I was typing up these notes. I literally watched a pronunciation guide for his name like ten times. (laughs) Wanox Diaz, I believe is uh, how you pronounce it, who is a famous writer and a professor at MIT, said that Mm -hmm. he wouldn't be where he is today without Dungeons & Dragons. Definitely. He was an immigrant, mm-hmm. and he stated that you know, being a person of color, yeah, he you know was in an area with you know some other colored kids that, and this was his words. The vernacular is kind of problematic, but his words So, uh, kids of color that you know were constantly told that they would be nothing and that they were put down and it was he said it was amazing for him to sit down at a table with a bunch of his peers and you know they could do whatever and yeah. you know they could experience things and without being judged by their ethnicity literally helping him to learn things like leadership courage And creative problem solving. Yeah. Shared Fantasy, which is a book by social... Social... I can't speak. (laughs) Shared Fantasy, which is a book by sociologist uh, Gary Allen Fine delves into this and, like, the concepts of D&D and how they're good for psychological reasons, and how it's important for uh, to people because it helps refine social skills and coping with other issues. Furthermore, the game has been used by psychologists to help with things, all sorts of things like PTSD and helping neurodivergent people with a number of different issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have actually been instances where they use D&D with soldiers to help with the horrors of war and the help with them getting back in normal life. They've used there's been instances of D&D being used in prisons to help uh, reform prisoners. But you know, I have a number of friends that are either military or ex-military and a majority of them play D&D. And Part of the reason is that they're nerds and strategy junkies. But part of the reason is that it helps them deal with bullshit that they've had to deal with. There's actually a whole program uh, that you can donate money to or, you know, the books to. And the whole thing is that they buy materials for books for uh, D&D or other RPGs to send to soldiers that are fighting in combat to help. Help them deal with all the stress and bullshit they constantly have to deal with.
1: Huh. That's interesting.
0: Megan A. Connell, who is a clinical psychologist, and in her her own words, a therapeutic dungeon master, uh, she said that this means that she uses D&B as kind of a group therapy tool. hmm The people have goals, or the players have goals that they need to meet or want to meet in a psychological aspect, and they meet them through playing with D&D, it gives the players the opportunity, it gives the opportunity to the players, and the players the skills uh, that they want to work on, in a safe environment with no real-world consequences. So if they are learning how to be more assertive, and how to say no, or how to stand up for themselves and speak up for themselves, it gives them that opportunity. There are situations where even if they mess up, they have the opportunity where they can go back and try it again. Which, I mean, technically isn't the case in most D&D, but, you know, that's the fun part is you can play it however you want.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: They can experiment with trying different ways of being in a group and with their peers that support them and help them along the way. When asked what success she's had, she stated that she has seen a lot of success in a group she's currently running. One of the girls has an uh, issue with chronically over-apologizing for literally everything. And they've constantly put her into situations where, you know, it's like to the point where she doesn't really apologize about stuff anymore that she doesn't need to apologize about. Over apologizing, for those who don't know, it's typically caused by trauma and abuse. And so it also gives people the opportunity to face the traumas and abuse. Yeah. Uh, she said she's also seen. People who have issues with saying no. Or that they're afraid of disappointing people. Or, again, part of this comes from history of abuse in certain aspects. Uh, But it puts them in a situation where, hey, it's okay to say no.
1: Yeah. And no is a complete sentence.
0: Yeah. And that's, you don't need an explanation. Just no is all you need. So it's a really helpful thing. Yeah. Uh, well, it looks like I'm running slightly over time. I apologize for that. <laughs> uh, What D&D is? So it's hanging out with friends. It's team building. It's inclusivity. Yes. Collective storytelling. It's math. It is math. It's dealing with trauma and personal issues. Especially if that trauma and personal issues is math. Um, it's a learning opportunity especially if you're learning math (laughs) (laughs) sorry I'm adding half the math stuff in. math is only in my list once Um, it's the opportunity to use problem solving problem solving math (laughs) anyway (laughs) it's a running joke that in the d community that D&D is just math masquerading as a fun game.
1: It is.
0: What D&D is not. It is not satanic or demonic. It is not no. a cause of murder or suicide.
1: No. Hey Kelsey. Hmm.
0: You want to hear some famous people? And this is just like a brief list because there's a crap ton more than this. Do you wanna hear some famous people that play D D regularly?
1: That one guy, like, um what's his face? He loops like everybody into playing with him.
0: Well, so there's John Favreau, who's yeah. a huge name in Disney, and it's as his figures in like all the Marvel stuff, uh, a lot of the Star Wars stuff. Yep. He is he is the guy who plays Happy in the MCU. Yeah.
1: Uh
0: Felicia Day. Who is, you know, kind of an obvious one there. Matthew Lillard. Yeah, the guy who played Shaggy in the Scooby-Doo movies.
1: Oh, I can see
0: that. He's a huge, huge nerd. A lot of these are not big surprises. Uh, Brendan Lee Mulligan, who is a huge kind of nerd celebrity. uh, He was part of... Oh, what's the name of that thing that they had for a while? College Humor and a few other things. Uh, Gerard yeah. Way from My Chemical Romance, and he yep. he wrote uh, the Umbrella Academy. Yep. I
1: see that. This
0: one surprised me a little bit. Anderson Cooper, the political commentator, yes, the guy who does the what? The guy who does the uh, the Democratic debate moderation. Yeah. Yep. He is an avid D D player.
1: What? Uh,
0: Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Deborah Ann Wool, which honestly does not surprise me. Vin Diesel. I can see that. So, yep. Vin, fun fact about Vin Diesel: this is what my this is my favorite Vin Diesel fact. Um, <laughs> that's, I don't know many facts about Vin Diesel, but this is definitely my favorite. He actually has it written into one of his contracts that during the filming of any movie he's in. They play D and D. Like offset, you know, with like part of the main cast.
1: That's great.
0: As like a team building thing. So you know, all the uh Fast and the Furious movies while they're there, you know, being being macho men and robbing train cars and whatever the frick they do in all those movies because they've went off the rails. Too many. Yeah, they're playing D&D in the background. <laughs> Matthew Mercer, who's a famous voice actor and like I said he runs uh probably the most popular, most well-known uh stream for Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Stephen Colbert. I can see that. Uh Totally. Ma- Mike Myers. Yeah, the guy who played Austin Powers is a big D&D yeah. nerd.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: Joe and I'm gonna butch his last name because I, I always butcher his last name.
1: Yeah, this guy, uh, Joe
0: Maglinello, who his wife is like some super famous actress as well. She's and,
1: Gloria, I think, off yeah. of Modern Family. Okay, she's the she's on Modern Family, but if you follow him on Instagram a lot of his um, stuff on Instagram is his d d stuff oh yeah so all the figurines um the, t- the he just bought a new um the table d d like table oh this table is so gorgeous beautiful so gorgeous and he he ropes so many people when they like have a dinner party or whatever. He ropes everybody, almost everybody into going and playing D&D with him.
0: It's funny. See, he only it's... ever brought up D&D to his wife once. And mm-hmm. uh, he started talking about it. She goes, let me stop you right there. Do you want to hear me talk about my shoes and my purses? And he goes, no, not really. And she goes, okay, then. He goes, fair enough. <laughs>
1: yeah. like
0: That's that. Yeah.
1: His, his, his game room is absolutely beautiful. Stunningly beautiful. Oh, yeah. That's all his Instagram is, is D related. Has, like you'll see every once in a while like a red carpet type thing, but ninety percent of it is his DD. And carpet,
0: he has a lot so. of like pro wrestlers and stuff, or ex pro wrestlers that play D D with him as well, because a lot of them yeah. are really big into it. Uh yeah. So Tim Duncan, who is a who's a, I guess a big basketball player. Uh okay. and then the last one I have, which actually surprised the crap out of me judy ditch
1: who, who's that
0: she is a english actress uh she's about like 88 years old
1: who give me a character
0: uh hold on let me pull up her imdb
1: <laughs> give me a character give me
0: i need a reference i mean i'm sure you'd know her if you saw her face I don't want her Wikipedia. I want her IMDb. That's uh, an
1: International Movie Database for.
0: do 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 do. So let's go here. Uh, what's something you may have actually seen here? Uh, she played it. She played Victoria in Queen Victoria. She played Miss Uh Avocet, Miss Peregrine's Home for Particular Children
1: oh the 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 old English lady I th- think I know you said Miss Peregrine's home for peculiar children
0: yeah I just literally just type in Judy Dench
1: yeah 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 she plays um um she plays in James Bond yeah. she plays in the uh yeah 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 i know who you're talking she's about she's in
0: a lot of stuff she's got like she's in 134 titles under her belt
1: yeah she's in skyfall she's in the james bond she plays the m um yeah she plays the main
0: The only reason why i know that's because i'm looking at this right now because i have never <laughs> seen a single james bond in my life uh, but yeah so those are some people
1: yeah she's in cats
0: she is in cats
1: She's in cats. She's in a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Murder on the Oran Express. That's with Jonadip.
0: But yeah, so she's a big fan of D and D.
1: I can see that. I can totally see that. I didn't realize she was in Jay Ecker. Okay. Yeah, she's actually in awesome matrix.
0: I love her. So that's all we have for today, with the exception of our card pulls. Yeah. So. Guess who pulled cups? Hint, it's not (laughs) me. I
1: pulled the Ten of Cups. Actually, it looks pretty cool. It's got the. It does look pretty cool. I have a Nightmare Before Christmas deck, so. Mine technically says 10 of potions, so it looks. I did, I pulled the 10. I pulled the fucking cups. Um, so keywords inner happiness, fulfillment, and dreams come true. To see the 10 of cups is to indicate a true emotional fulfillment, one where the lonely self satisfaction of the nine of cups is shared with others to create a true sense of community and family. It is. The crystallization of the innocent of the innocent of the Ace of Cups. After learning how to love oneself, the Nine of Cups matures into the Ten of Cups, which at its core about how true happiness stems from forging authentic bonds and connections with others. This card is most associated with the sense of happily ever after a family of lasting harmony and peace.
0: Nice. (laughs) What about you? I pulled the Ace of Wands. Okay. Which is a card of inspiration. Uh, As an ace, this wand can bring you pure potential. This time in the spiritual, energetic realm. Ideas are flowing for you, motivating and inspiring you to pursue a new path. You can open and receive new opportunities that align with your higher self. A whole world of possibilities is available to you. And what I am When I was reading that, literally what popped into my head is, a whole new world. (laughs) Yes. The Ace of Wands encourages you to follow your heart and live your passion. If you feel a strong pull towards a uh, new project or path, uh, but are questioning whether it'll work or not, then this card gives you the gentle nudge to pursue your passion. You can always start out small, treating the project or idea as an experiment or trial. Then, if it feels good, keep on doing it. And if it doesn't, make adjustments and try again. Let your enemy, enemy, let your enemy, let your energy, dedication, (laughs) and motivation be your guide. Okay. Okay. Don't let your enemy be your guide, though.
1: No, don't. Yeah. Huh. So, together.
0: <laughs> together, we are Captain Planet. <laughs> We're all in this together?
1: We are. We're all in this together.
0: So, what are your thoughts on them together?
1: I am not sure. Because they sound a little conflicting. Do they? A little little bit. How so? Hmm. I'm trying to figure out what they've been together.
0: Um. (laughs) Well, you know, maybe they're not meant to be together. Maybe. I was like,
1: I. This feels like they're not meant to...
0: Maybe one's for one of us and one's for the other one.
1: That's kind of how I feel. You
0: know, things don't always have to mesh up perfectly. Sometimes there's... Other meanings and stuff. This is true.
1: Because I... You know that I've been struggling with what my core family means
0: uh-huh.
1: with my family drama that I've got going on. Because that make, this makes sense. That my decisions that I am making are in the right direction. It is in the right direction. It hurts. It fucking sucks. But it's the right way i should be going with my decisions i
0: have made yeah and you know, sometimes sometimes you got to throw the baby out with the bathwater
1: yeah yeah that's kind of where i've hit with my family <laughs> I, I know it sucks but his I'm an overthinker I'm an overthinker guys it, it, it's bad and when you when I decide to cut somebody out of my life um, I don't think people understand how much I have thought about that how much how many possibilities I have thought of and second guessed my decision a lot Yeah. um And kind of, when I hit that point with people, it's, I have really thought about it. It's, it's not like I woke up one day and went, fuck you, I'm done with you. It's, this is months of waking up and second guessing and am I making this, is this the right decision? And, and it's, yeah, so I'm, I'm on the right path for that to my happily ever after it's getting there
0: But you know sometimes (laughs) that's okay like it's it's okay to you know struggle with Um, that it's okay to make that decision but it's also okay to step back and you know for lack of better words trial it it's okay to step away and say okay i'm gonna ask do this and then see if it feels right yeah because you know not everything feels right not everything has to feel right
1: well in it when that person kind of enters my orbit again and it's like I was pretty good without you fucking shit up and now you're fucking shit up up here and I mm, you need to go yeah like it and, and it's it sucks but the universe telling me of making the right decision. And that's... So...
0: I think that's what the cards are saying together, personally. Like... Is that, you know, sometimes it sucks, sometimes it's hard, but... Sometimes you just gotta do it.
1: Oh, yeah, and... I think a lot with our generation, we are coming to terms with the fact that, um toxic is toxic whether it's your family or not and there's a lot of people that aren't having contact with the older generation because it's just because you're my family doesn't mean that I you have to you have to be in my family you're toxic and you're not good for me and my family's a lot better without you there and if you're not willing to work on yourself then goodbye type thing
0: yep
1: you're seeing that with a lot of people our age in our generation
0: preach sister
1: <laughs> and it's 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 not fun it's it's not healing generational trauma and just trauma in general is not a fun experience everyone's i think everyone has this like fantasy that it's it's um, it's fun and it's great, and it you come out. Yes, you come out as a better person, but that journey is, it is a rough one.
0: Yeah,
1: and it's it's not for the faint of heart, and it's the healing journey that I'm on personally right now. This is not a fun experience at all. No, don't recommend. <laughs> don't recommend. But it's but necessary I know that. For our kids it is necessary for me to take these steps now so that way my kids our kids are better right you know and that's kind of what I'm that's kind of what I to me that's what it's saying because I've I've made some decisions this week and it's um it sucks but you got to cut people out regardless of what they mean to you.
0: Yep. And that's not easy.
1: No. No. It's worth it, but it's not an easy process. Ever. Ever. Don't believe everything that you believe on social media about healing journeys. Don't do it. Don't believe it. It's not fun half the time. Yep. But with that our next episode in our Satanic Panic kind of mini-series, I will be talking about different types of cults that kind of happened kind of surface um, over the kind of main time of the Satanic Panic. There's a lot of cults that we will not be talking about. Um, I'm going to try not to talk about mainstream, so um, Charles Manson and that whole thing and obviously Jonestown not going to be talking about that. There are amazing podcasts that do cover those incidences. Um, but I'm like case file does an amazing job of covering Jonestown and that whole thing that happened during all this while well, satanic Panic was kind of happening. Um, well,
0: and that's the thing, like a lot of this has been done so many times.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to kind of just go kind of brief overview of the different types of cults that kind of surfaced, not really going to go into detail about them. Um, Not like super detailed, but like I said, Case File, he does an amazing, Casey does an amazing job of the Jonestown, and it's, it is like five or six, it's like four or five parts. It's extremely graphic, do not recommend for the week. It's, it's brutal, the way that he tells it. It's necessary, because it was a brutal thing that happened, um, because that's where we get the phrase, don't drink the Kool-Aid.
0: Which technically wasn't Kool-Aid, it was Flavor-Aid, but. But. There's also, yeah, there's also, uh, you know, throw Time Suck back into this because they do all sorts of (laughs) topics. Uh, There's a number of different cults that Dan covers. Of course, Jim Jones is one of the topics he covers. And again, his episode's like two and a half hours where he, you know, tries to add comedy into it because it's a fucked up situation.
1: It totally Uh, is.
0: My favorite thing about Jim Jones, it's not really like favorite, it's weird, is that. And the dude was definitely closeted. Uh, He would tell the male members that they were gay and the only salvation was for them to give him a blowjob.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. It's like, I'm not gay. No,
0: no, no, dude. You're gay. You're gay. The the only way you can not be gay is if you give me a blowjob. What?
1: What? That doesn't make any sense.
0: And like people bought into it, but yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. I'm going to try and cover the non-mainstream cults. Um, So, yeah. I'll be covering next week's episode. So, please rate, review, and subscribe. Please tell a friend. Um, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. The pants that you see in the YouTube videos are my hands. The pants you
0: see?
1: <laughs> the hands. I heard pants. <laughs> the hands... Yeah, the hands you see with all the bracelets, those are mine. The Um, hands you
0: don't see are mine. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun.
1: Um, So, yeah, I think that's all we got for this episode.
0: So, until next time, I'm Johnny.
1: And I'm Kelsey.
0: Bye. Bye.